So I will admit that I fell into um, the, the trap many, many years ago, uh, but I was quite young at the time. So you can understand that a child is going to kind of fall into the trap when I'm going to the Southern Baptist Church. And that's the only place that we're taking. That's the only thing that's available in town. And mom keeps taking us there three, four times a week. Uh, and so a child will get the idea that God is defined only the way that the Southern Baptists define it. And then I was very slow to understand that, no, they've only got a small definition, that the whole point is much bigger than that. And so, uh, for instance, when atheists talk about uh they don't believe in God. What they're actually saying is they don't believe in the small uh, individual Christian sect version of God. But that then they, because they reject that out of hand as some dude sitting with a beard on a, uh, an ivory throne um, that uh, looks very much like Zeus sitting in the clouds uh, the kind of uh, drawings that you see in the Sistine Chapel and that kind of thing, that that's generally the idea of God, even giving him a personality that's male yeah. is, is limiting to uh, that, in fact, the bigger God is neither male nor female. But it's also not an it. <laughs> <laughs> it's something bigger than he, she, and it, or even they. So if we have a very large view of, of God, then that means that within our view of God can be held the Islamic view of God, or the Christian view of God, or even the atheist view of God. Because our universe is really expansive enough that it can hold all of this. And getting back to that, if you want to look at it from the perspective of the plan of God, this present moment is the manifestation of the God's plan in action in this moment. How could it be otherwise? This is it. <laughs> and uh, the it that it is now or the thusness that we find in this present moment was based upon causes and conditions from the past, but it was from the immediate past. So the things are constantly in turmoil according to a rigid set of laws. And these laws are actually, uh, the, the physicists have figured them out quite well. Uh, that they're beginning to understand that besides the four forces, we have the force of gravity, we have the force of electromagnetic, which is basically how the human body operates, is with the electromagnetic forces at the, at a higher level. For instance, electrochemical things that are happening all the time in the body. Uh, but we also have the, nu the uh, weak nuclear force that force which keeps an atom in its um, orbit around uh, a, a, um, an atom. But then at the, at the core of the atom, there's a very, very strong nuclear force that they're associating with gluons that will keep a proton 
connected to a proton. For instance, gold and heavy elements will have hundreds and hundreds of protons in the nucleus, and yet protons repel each other. So what force is it that's keeping these things together? This is a very interesting question because it basically boils down to that there is a deeper underlying force that is now becoming known as the force of causality. Hmm. Causality, you know, in in fact, why if, if a photon is a wave and a particle, why if it's a wave, does it become a wave? Why does it go up and down or oscillate? What When it go, starts to go up, why does it keep going up? Why is there a wave at all? The answer is, is because of certain conditions and causality. So the underlying law that we live under is the law of causality. And it happens literally hundreds of trillions of times every hundredth of trillionth of a second. And we're just talking about in that kind of numbers, just what's happening in your local vicinity. That things are really, really unbelievably, overwhelmingly complicated and complex, way beyond a human being's capabilities. It's exciting. Yeah, well, it's amazing, uh, and that we're using technology to help us understand through the senses that which we cannot normally see through our ordinary senses. For instance, night vision goggle can see into the infrared and then bring it back up into the visual area by doing a shift of frequency. We know how to do those things based upon Faraday, basically. <clears throat> so. Um, where we're going with this is, is that if things are really that big, that means that there's got to be room for communication within the entire system. And that at the basis or at the bottom of it all has to do with friendship as opposed to um, conflict. And yet whenever uh, Dan or Eric or Mo would get into a conversation, they would go into that conversation with, the, in, with, let us say, their own plan of conflict. So Dan would get up tight. His shoulders would, would raise up. He didn't know what to say, even though he was a brilliant scientist, until I taught him how to be on guard for that. And now the same thing is with Eric, learning to talk to his brother and talk with anybody. It has to do with let's be on guard whenever you start to go into a conversation with someone or whenever you are interacting or someone comes to you or you're going to someone, that's the time to be on guard, on high alert. Because this is a time when bad feelings are most likely. You see, we practice meditation on the cushion so that we can develop the skill of sati. And we, uh, because, uh, but we're not going to say sitting on the cushion all day long. 
I have not met a Westerner yet who says his goal is to go to Burma and sit on the, and squat on the floor for 16 to 20 hours a day. Or in a couple of cases, 24 hours a day because they sleep sitting up. But nobody's going to be doing that. You want to live your life. You want to be able to communicate and to uh, cooperate and to share and to have a regular life, not just sitting, squatting on the floor someplace, avoiding life. Okay, so it doesn't matter what genre or what mind state those guys are in. They're avoiding being alive. In order to be alive, though. There is this past or these uh, uh, present moments that give rise to fear. But in fact, the one thing that we have in common with all three of these examples, Mo, Eric, and Dan, is fear. Is at their base of their communication. Whenever they're around other people, they become uptight. And they don't even know that. Even though Dan recognized later that, yes, his, in fact, his shoulders would rise, his neck would get red and tense because he didn't know how to uh, be, um, let us say, satisfied in that present moment. So the practice that we're practicing to get ourselves into a state of satisfaction, to get ourselves into a state of winner, to get ourselves into a state of being able to breathe well and to uh, di divide and direct the mind so that it is only working in the wholesome. That, that uh, skill that we're developing, that skill set on the cushion is actually uh, going to be needed generally throughout the day. <laughs> this is an important point. To recognize that our meditation is only to get us the skill set that we need so that we can live the life that we want to lead. Which means that any development that you have so that you can begin to feel the way that you want to feel while you're sitting in meditation, you can also feel that same way when you're interacting with people. <clears throat> nice. I've had, I've had. I've had moments, um, um, I feel having one of those like two step forward, one step back moments, um, you know, I, well, that's dancing now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'd love, I'd love to get, get down to, uh, you know, to what I need to do in earnest. I, um, no, you, you know don't what? need you don't need to be earnest. You All need right. to be playful. Okay. That this is this is where we're going. If you can get yourself while you're sitting on the cushion into a state of satisfaction, into this into the feeling of being a winner, into the sit to the literally to the point of learning to feel the way that you want to feel and then giving yourself those feelings. We can do that while we're interacting with other people, too, if we have the presence of mind or if we um, are on guard to do that. And so this is one something that I'm beginning to give to many of the students 
is that the primary practice that you're going to have is not sitting on the floor developing these good feelings. It's to be on guard so that you can maintain and, and have these good feelings while you're around other people. Okay. Because the feelings that other people have are going to influence you and that um, uh, we talk about this in, in uh, the quality of mudita, uh, you know, uh, metta, karuna, mudita, upeka. All right. So mudita is not just sympathetic vibrations of joy, but is in fact sympathetic vibrations of all kinds. Hmm. Um <clears throat> In reality, you have sympathetic vibrations with musical instruments. If you put a musical instrument like a, uh, a violin, we know for sure that a violin has an A string. Absolutely, it's got an A string. I know that violins have an A string because I know that orchestras tune on A and you cannot tune a, a stringed instrument fretted. It's got to be an open note that you're tuning. So now you bring a, uh, a trumpet player into the room and he gives a note, a blast on note A and then walks out of the room. That violin is still going to continue to play that note A on the A string. Why is that? Because the sound waves that came out of that trumpet hit that string and there was some quality in that string that says, this is me. And he starts vibrating at that frequency. Right. This is sympathetic vibration we have in the physical world, <clears throat> but you can see that in all kinds of relationships. For instance, if you take um, a match and and light and and uh, light it and then put it in front of a cigarette, then that cigarette is going to start sympathetically vibrating with that match by raising its own temperature. Okay. So. Now let's look at one from the human being. One of the ways that people will um, vibrate sympathetically with each other is with anger. Yeah. They will sympathetically vibrate with anger. So if one person comes into the room all angry, his subconscious intention is to get everybody angry at the same thing that he's angry at. Or if the guy comes in and he's angry at you, his intention, whether he knows it deeply or not, his intention is to get you angry back at him so that we spread our anger like that. Another example of it would be grief. That when someone is grieving, uh, the people around them will start to grieve. That's, in fact, the whole point of a funeral. Well, no, the point of a funeral is the more grief than the more money the uh, undertaker will make. Mm. So grief is sympathetically vibrating. Anger, sympathetically vibrating. Fear is also easily sympathetically vibrating. So uh, let's look at an example of that. Uh, um, Shelley wrote a book in the 1890s by the name of Frankenstein. Do you know that story? At the end of the story, what happens is, is that the, uh, the village people are um, 
because they're becoming familiar with this monster and that there are some accidents and whatnot, the whole village is absolutely terrified of him. Everyone is scared to death, right? But one guy stands up in anger. And in a just a small little talk that he's given, we ought to do something about that monster. We can't let that monster run our lives. And all of a sudden, his anger now has been coalesced because fear and anger are very closely associated. He was able to get all of those fearful people angry as a mob. That this is, in fact, what a mob really is. A mob is people who have all of the same feeling that individually, each individual one may not have that feeling, but they catch it almost like a virus. So that means that you are susceptible to the feelings of all of the people around you. Now, uh, in a way, the people in your organization there, in your program, uh, are kind of mindful. But um let us say out on the streets of um uh northern uh africa people there you know islamist or whatever like that they in fact promote their anger they want to be angry they want other people to be angry they have been oppressed they've got their own frankenstein's monster that in fact, uh, what we were talking about was is that in uh, that these guys are out on the street marching. The problem that they have is they're out on the street marching because they feel like that they're being oppressed by the monster, but the Frankenstein's monster is not there for them to tear up and destroy or whatever like that. So they'll burn flags in effigy, or they'll do things like this because they really have no real object for all of that anger but they but the anger is there because they've got everybody worked up so how can mo not get worked up how can you not get worked up into at least the level that you're in in confusion how can dan not get worked up so that he doesn't have uptight and <clears throat> <clears throat> fear and anger associated with the upper part of his body. The answer is you can choose mindfully. You can choose the way you want to feel. That's what the teachings of the Buddha really is all about, is learning how to manage your feelings to the point that you can feel the way you want to feel rather than feeling the way that you're invited to feel by the circumstances. In other words, we've got an out. Which also means that you now have my permission and also your own wisdom to recognize that it is better to meet anger with joy. <laughs> if you've got joy, if you can feel the way that you wanted to feel, wouldn't you rather feel joyful rather than angry? I So I, I've been trying to, as often as I can remember, just go through go through the process, you know, as soon as I recognize that I'm, I'm, I'm in something like, you know, being glad that I see it and, and letting it go and replacing it something with something happy and resolving. 
Um, and it's a, it's a bit by bit thing. It's, 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 it's a, it's a gradual thing. Um, it is when you think of it long term. But another way of looking at it is the way that we keep looking. Let's come back to this present moment. This particular incident. If you have mindfulness right now, then you can, through your skill development, feel the way that you want to right now, regardless of external situation. But we need to practice getting away from it all so that we're dealing with uh, in seclusion, staying in seclusion so that we can begin to, um, let us say, change the way we feel without outside influences. So that then when we have to deal with the outside influences, we've already got the skills that we need. And all we have to do now is to apply those skills, to remember to apply them, to continue to remember to apply them. This is the way that we begin to operate. So um, like with Eric, which is uh, kind of the reason that I was bringing this up for you, um, that he recognized that it's hard for him. And in fact, I was watching him. It's hard for him. Um, to get his thoughts formulated when he feels like that he needs to, to talk, that people are saying things that he doesn't agree with or uh, that they're asking him questions or whatnot, and he feels like that he's on the spot. So the first thing that we can do with you also is to recognize that when you feel like that you're on the spot, recognize that, see that. Because you, that feeling of being on the spot is something that you created. The situation didn't create that. And even if it did, that doesn't mean that you have to adhere to that situation of feeling like that you're on the spot. You, you can take a deep breath and be happy instead. Now. Once you gain the situation to where you can, in fact, control your own mind, that means that now in this uh, uh, symphony or concophony or this noise world that you go into, you're adding your own new note. You're bringing joy into the mix where there was no joy before. Before... Uh, when one person felt sad, everybody feels sad. When one person feels angry, everybody feels angry. So now you kind of begin to see through Modita that you actually have an obligation to others to feel good, even if you don't agree with anything they have to say. Because convincing them or talking them into your viewpoint is not what they want anyway. What they're really wanting is community or cooperation. The guy who is angry, he wants you to be angry because that justifies to him his anger. Just like going into a bar, the bar fly is in the bar. When someone new comes into the bar, the bar fly wants him to have a drink. 
Why is that? Because the barfly kind of knows that drink sitting in the bar and drinking all day is not the best way to spend his time. That there is something inherently wrong with it. So anybody who comes into the bar is automatically suspicious until we can get him to drink. Because if he's drinking, now he's part of us. He's He's in communion with us. All right. Same thing with with anger. When guys come in angry, they want you, everybody, to be angry because that will help justify their anger. Don't buy it. Whatever anybody and I'm using the example of anger and you can say, well, I don't have to deal with angry people much. No, but you do have to deal with people who are in feelings often. And they're in feelings that they wouldn't choose for themselves if they did have a choice. But that's what you have now that's different. You're beginning to have a choice. You can choose the way that you feel. If you can remember to choose the way that you feel. So I've also struggled with like one place this has has led me recently is... um, this probably isn't recent. This probably is, you know, doing something I've done my whole life. Um, is in trying to be positive, I end up repressing things that I actually feel that that come out really sideways. Um, like the uh, a week or two ago, when you really said something that made me click for this whole thing happening in the present, which has helped a lot. Um, but that that first day, I was like. I was just putting this pressure for myself to be happy all day. And by the end of it, like I broke down and like ate a bunch of pizza and smoked and all these different things that I didn't intend to do. Cause I was repressing and like trying to tell myself to do something that I couldn't do yet. Um, setting too high a goal is not what we're talking about nor are we talking about goal setting at all. And that that actually also has to do, because in fact, I caught you, I heard you say it. I know you did. You said all day long. (laughs) What is that? No, we're not talking about all day long. We're talking about in this present moment. We have to change our time frame. From expectations of the future into um, the control that we have over this present moment, right now. That's all we have. But what we do, what you do by mistake is, is that you start comparing things. I was this, I was that, I was here, I was there, etc., like that. Well, yes, that's life. We are all over the place. Sometimes we feel like a nut. Sometimes we don't. That's just life. Yeah. And so uh, putting um, artificial um, restraints or goals is bound to, to bring up failure. Unless you can say, uh-huh, I'm setting a goal. I see that. I see my goal setting. I see that I'm trying to be happy all day long and I can't do it, but I can at least be happy right now. Trip 
Um, so the question would be, if you're practicing being happy all day, what happened when the smoke and the cigarettes and the, uh, and the pizza came out? Um, what mind state were you in in that moment? Yeah, I um, was kept, just kept push, pushing myself and uh, I was anxious and not paying attention to it. Right, exactly. That, so it was in that moment when mm-hmm. you needed Sati the most. begin to recognize when we're down on ourselves, when this is when it feels like too much work. That's just a thought in that particular moment. And it basically has the attitude of a failure. Mm-hmm. So these are the things that we need to start watching for. Because you already know that in any particular moment, as a here now, you can, in fact, remember to feel good, change the way that you feel, take a deep breath, throw the thing, uh, uh, the poor me uh, kinds of thoughts and feelings out of the mind and come back and feel good in this present moment. This is a skill to be developed, practiced over and over and over again, because if you don't practice it, you're going to fall right back where you used to be. The old habits, which is exactly what happened with you. Yeah. So one 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 issue that I have is that um, uh, my brain seems to know that if I can make myself feel miserable enough and like enough of a failure and that, like that things are hopeless, um, that it gets to reward. And that you know, it's for twelve years on and off. That's been a very big reward for the brain. Um, and, uh, yeah, getting somebody else to do your work for you is a very major reward. If I can feel bad enough and get somebody who, um, feels, um, uh, compassion for me or get forgiveness, there's a reward in that. Absolutely. There's, there's. There's that, and there's, I, I was just referring to, you know, like the meth and stuff. That, um, um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I ultimately did that so that I could get, you know, this outpouring of sympathy and care, I think, um, or sexual attention or different things. Um, point, point being is that, like, small feelings of discomfort, my mind amplifies to trying to get me to do something to numb it. And, and, and so this whole, you know, you talked about setting a task thing, like tasks are tricky. They're tricky for me because for, 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 excuse me, for my brain, they feel like opportunities to fail. Um, and I, Man, I'm striving against that, um, uh, but anyway. Okay, so 
you're just reiterating what I say often, which is these are just old habit patterns of the mind. Okay. These are just old um, habits, old formations. And that the mind uh, will naturally, easily follow the old pathways that are well dug in. Uh, even though, let, let us talk about it in the sense of out, out through a field or down through the wo woods, there is a path that's wide enough for um, a truck to go down, a pickup truck can go down this road. But if he keeps going down that particular road over and over again, it, uh, especially if he does it when it's raining and whatnot, it's going to get muddy, it's going to have ruts, it's going to have potholes. It's going to have a lot of other stuff uh, that uh, the road itself becomes problematic. That's why, in fact, this point that I'm making is why people want to have concrete roads, is to make life easier, okay? But here, what we need to do is to learn, uh, basically, to keep going down that same old uh, uh, rut, ridden road only we have to be mindful to stay out of the ruts the night gets stuck which is basically what we do uh because we're just going down the same path over and over and over again getting stuck in the same places that we always get stuck in and so you're beginning to see that with your own mind by waking up to it and recognizing that wait a minute you don't have to go down those old ruts that you have a choice and basically that means that you don't have to feel the way that you were in the habit of feeling that you feel the way you do because you're in the habit of feeling the way that you do but you've already experimented enough with uh, uh anapanasati uh and the practice to recognize no you in fact can change the way that you feel and when is that? Whenever you think about it, I can change the way that I feel. Mm -hmm. But many times what will happen, and you've just talked about it, that you will have the thought, I should feel the way that I want to feel, but I don't feel that way right now. Oh, poor me, this is hard work. <laughs> like maybe in the past 30 seconds. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, exactly. That you don't have to feel the way that you're in the habit of feeling, but you have to wake up. Once you wake up, now you can make the choice about how are you going to handle the situation that you're in, most specifically when you're around other people. Yeah. That generally people are pretty good. I mean, some people go stir crazy because they don't have the social connections, but any individual, let us say, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, or each individual human being is probably better off in seclusion than he is in a mob. That this social um, um, separation that coronavirus-19 has, has brought about, I think is actually quite valuable. Because a lot so. of people have to... Have to they are, in fact, they don't have to, but many people are reevaluating their life. Yeah. 
So we will go back into it where we have to interact with other people. But um, the, the point that I'm making here is like we use the word trigger. Also, we can use the word anchor has the same effect or, or a, a button to push. Mm-hmm. And that uh, we often think of uh, through Anapanasati is the breath, is the anchor. Keep coming back to the breath. Okay, so when we talk about meditation in the very beginning, we say when the mind wanders away from the breath, come back and start again. So it it just, there was a ding there um, in the rooms in in ANA. They say, keep coming back. If you relapse, keep coming back. Okay. So now in normal life, we're going to have a new kind of anchor. And that new kind of anchor is whenever you go into communication with someone, whenever another human being comes close enough to you to have a dialogue or whatever like that, that should be a point for you to go on guard. Be on guard. Okay. This is the time to be on guard. What are you going to be on guard for? Sati, to wake up. So that you can feel the way that you want to feel, including feeling good. So that you can feel good in this moment. If you feel good in this moment, then it doesn't matter how the other person feels. Your joy will begin to rub off on him. And he has no choice about it and neither do you. That does not mean that you have to cheer him up. You merely have to cheer yourself up, and your cheering yourself up will help cheer him up. It's sympathetic vibration, just like the violin plays that note when the trumpet does. So, so um, you know, in, interactions are uh, um, unpredictable, rapid fire. You know, is there something you'd you'd suggest? I can. I can, I can, I can think to myself uh, quickly, or should I just come up with whatever? Rapid fire is the word for it. It's not rapid fire. It's a smile. All you have to do, it doesn't matter how much rapid fire you're uh, incoming. Make sure that you don't have rapid fire outgoing. That when incoming comes, you can learn to smile. Basically, there's three things. Smiling is the number one important one. The second one would be nodding, like I do. Mm-hmm. Smiling and nodding. <laughs> and then the third one is chuckling. Yeah. If you smile and nod and chuckle your way through conversation, you'll be doing quite well. And you don't have to ever have to even say anything. This would what would be called noble silence. Most silence is awkward silence. Mm-hmm. Awkward silence comes when one or the other or both are trying to figure out what, what to say next. But your smile, your nod, and your chuckle is all the communication that you need to give. Yeah. 
you don't need to give information. You just need to give your smile and your chuckle. And I know that you feel compelled to talk. Yeah. You feel compelled to talk, but you don't have to. A compulsion. You can get, get, in fact, you can become mindful of that compulsion to talk and turn that compulsion to talk into, well, instead of talking, let me take a deep breath and deal with that compulsion to talk while you're smiling, even if the conversation goes to a state of silence. That's okay. You're not the one who has to fill that silence. Let somebody else's compulsion be the... (laughs) And what's the aim? The aim, then, finally, is connection. The aim is friendship. The aim is not making your point. Your name, uh, the, the aim is not you can be the big guy that everybody looks up to. That's no longer the point. Now the point is merely to smile, to chuckle, and if anything, just to sort of silently let the other person know that you are listening to them and care about them. In fact, caring about them is more important than listening to them. Mm -hmm. Good medicine. It is amazing when you recognize this is noble silence. You do not have to talk. That would be a great freedom for me. That would be a load load off if I felt I didn't have to prove that I was smart or different things. Because that's what comes out is that I feel like I'm not valuable unless I... I know, I know. This is why we keep talking about developing the uh, the skill of one's right attitude. Devin, you're okay already. And you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You're so okay, in fact, that all you have to do is just smile and enjoy the moment. That, in fact, if you can smile, that kind of proves to yourself that you're okay. It'll come. It'll come. I mean, I... No, no, no. Here it is right now. (laughs) Now is the only moment you have. (laughs) Go away. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. Um, <laughs> did you did you see your loser mentality right then? You says it'll come someday. No, it's not going to come someday. That's just, that's just what the loser keeps saying, and it keeps someday, someday. No, right now is the only time you have. Let's be a winner right now. How do I struggle with my expectations? Uh, how, how do I deal with You don't struggle that? with them. You recognize them and you say to yourself, aha, I see you, Mr. Expectation. I see you, Mr. Myra. I see you urge to talk. 
Oh, this feels like a koan. Because <laughs> being good enough now isn't about being any different than I am now. No, you're already okay. In fact, the only thing that needs to be changed is your attitude. The attitude of acceptance. The attitude that this present moment is good enough. What What about all the things that, that get to me, you know, when I feel like I'm... Whenever they start to get to you, be on guard for that. Say, aha, I see you about to get to me. <laughs> Again, it's all about Sati to wake up and see this stuff. Because nothing is there really about to get to you. Mm -hmm. These are just thoughts, and you can begin to wake up to them. Yeah, it does sound like a coin. Sounds like a catch-22, even. No, the weird thing is that it Oh, God. It makes perfect sense. It just doesn't. <laughs> it's completely... Anyway, I'll sort through it, Ed, you know, in seven weeks or seven months or seven years. Um, um, you talk yeah, a lot about... Second. Seven seconds. Seven seconds. Okay, <laughs> That's what my teacher's giving me. I'll try. Oh, shit, it's gone. Okay, we'll try for the next seven seconds. Uh, okay, I think I think this is a good point for me to leave off with. This is something for me to, to uh, be with. Okay. Um, well, we've only covered about half the story. So we'll cover the rest of the story later. I'd like that very much. Back. But the important point is, is that you're okay. Be on guard for when you're about to go into conversations with people so you can watch very closely, not what they're doing, but how you're feeling about it, about the moment in the conversation that you feel compelled to talk, but you don't have to talk. You feel under obligation, but you're, that's only a feeling you have. Generally, other people are not... Um, trying to put you under obligation to talk to them. They're uh, too busy feeling their own obligation to talk to you. <laughs> so that feeling of obligation is actually something that's already inside. It's not, it didn't come with the situation. So become aware of those things. Aha, uh -huh, I see you, Mr. Obligation. <laughs> work 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 um as it's a program phrase um it's, it's a joy it's a play it's a new toy i'm giving you <laughs> this is not a work this is not an assignment this is not an obligation this is a new toy enjoy <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs>
<laughs> thank you for uh, thank you for the talk. You have a great the rest of your day. I'm sorry, what? Said so thank you for the talk. You have a wonderful day. Oh, you yes. Okay. Well, the day is on its own. I don't. <laughs> It's part of God's plan. It's all, the day is already marvelous. It's already wonderful. True. The only thing that we need to look at is your attitude about it. So in that way, I leave you with this. Have a marvelous attitude. <laughs> there we go. Beautiful. Okay, have a beautiful attitude. <laughs> Bye.